Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm back. I want to send a first big, big, massive uh, thank you to Chris Horwittle from Underdog uh, Sports. From Underdog Podcasts, and uh, he filled in uh, for me. Unfortunately, I lost my father uh, last week and couldn't do any podcasts. Really, really uh, weird. It felt really weird not sitting here doing this stuff. Uh, but uh, Patrick, I, I will say uh, you and Chris sounded so good. I was just wondering if the words of Wally Pip ever came into fruition. Uh, they did not until you actually uh, asked me about that afterwards. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. But, but you uh, know who Wally Pip is, right? I did after I Googled. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those of you who don't have Google, Wally Pip was the first baseman for the Yankees in the 1920s. And he goes to his manager and he says he has a headache and he asks out of the lineup. They take him out of the lineup. They put Lou Gehrig in. And Lou Gehrig plays 2,130 consecutive games. And Wally Pip is never heard from again. That's the Wally Pip story. And if you don't have Google, but you are somehow still listening to this show, kudos to you for being one of the diehards in sports podcast fandom. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, I appreciate all the people who listened. It was the big Super Bowl episode. That's the weirdest part is of all the episodes to miss. Why don't you miss the one where we're sitting around talking about how COVID was impacting uh, uh, <laughs> hockey games and all that stuff. All of a sudden, literally, it's the biggest episode. You had all your props. We had laid it all in. You had the latest game odds, all of that stuff. And that was when it was so weird. And I thought about it. I almost asked you because you asked me once to do a, a recording at five in the morning. And I almost asked you to do the same because I thought about it and I said, what if I got up at like six in the morning, we recorded it and then it was just putting it together. Like I was never home. So I was never at my desk. I couldn't get to getting the podcast out. And then I just had to punt and I texted Chris and yourself and I said, all right, boys, step it up. And boy, did you guys step it up. Well, and Seth, now that the time has passed, uh, I can safely say that I absolutely would have got up that early to record that podcast because... Uh, oh, now you tell yeah. me. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. <laughs> now, now, now that we're safely in the rear view, uh, yeah, I, I, four in the morning, three in the morning, you know me, it's a sh show first, but uh, uh, it, it's re really good having you back, Seth. We, we missed you a lot last week. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was fun chatting with Chris. Uh, he and I will, uh, you know, very subtly work on some side projects together after that, but... Uh, now we're, we're really happy to have you back and uh, was not the same show without you. Well, thank you very much. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, it was, um, it, yeah, it was quite a week. Uh, what did you make of the Super Bowl? It came down to the wire. Uh, so I, I fans got, you know, a, a lot. I know NBC was excited because the, you know, the people who buy advertising in the fourth quarter got their bang <laughs> for the buck. I, I, I got that. Um, wasn't the most compelling game in the world. It just, I, I don't, I don't know. What was your take on the game itself? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you hit on a few things there and, um, it, it hit the closeness factor, which the NFL loves. Listen, we were all paying attention in the fourth quarter, which is great. Uh, it wasn't a blowout. 
selfishly, uh, blowouts are usually really good for us uh, at Bavada. Just uh, a team stacking point spreads from start to finish is uh, pretty good because people like to bet on comebacks. They like to bet on the storyline, especially in a game like the Super Bowl. Uh, having said that, and I mean, maybe it's just that defense isn't sexy, but uh, I, I enjoyed the game, but it didn't have too many wow moments aside from that last Rams drive where Cooper Cup, who a lot of people thought could have been the regular season MVP, ended up being the Super Bowl MVP, uh, really put that team on his back, that fourth down run where, you know, easily could have been stopped behind the line of scrimmage. It, it, but it was, you really had this feeling that these weren't the two best teams in the NFL playing this game. It was two pretty good teams. It wasn't a heavyweight tilt though. And I think uh, I, I really like Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. That offensive line did that team. Uh, no help whatsoever. Uh, Burrow was running for his life all night. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, you had the drama of Beckham scoring that first touchdown, which was a massive loss for us at Bavada. Um, I think he went off at seven or eight to one to score the first TD of the game. It was our biggest liability. So we were crushed right out of the gate. And then, you know, how do the Rams, you know, deal with him getting injured shortly after that? How do they retool the offense? Uh, you know, I, I think both teams did some interesting things out there. They definitely brought their, Hey, it's the last game of the year. Don't hold anything back mentality to it. But, uh, it, it was a pretty good game. That's the best I could say about it. I wasn't yeah. jumping off, you know, and maybe we were just spoiled by that playoff run, Seth. Like uh, the AFC and NFC divisional that round was happens, incredible. That, that literally always happens. It happens more often than not. And, and and part of that's the crowd too, right? Because you have pure home field advantages in those games, whereas the Super Bowl is kind of a spectacle. And of it's course- a neutral no, site. It, Even though it was in Los Angeles, there were a ton of Bengals fans there. Yes, it was a neutral site in a venue that even if it was a regular season or conference championship game is not one of the better home field advantage sites in the NFL today. So, uh, you know, the pomp and patchy. Hey, listen, the halftime show for the first time ever. Uh, and I'm dating myself here. I kind of get it. And someone tweeted about this, you know, when I was a kid, I watched the halftime show and I go, who are all these old people who can barely sing? And now these are my people that was, uh, you know, Eminem out there. Uh, Dr. Dre was out there. 50 Those are your made... people. Those are well, your people, huh? Th they're my people, Seth. Well, oh, listen, okay. they, were, they were the people that I would listen to when I was in high school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, listen, watching 50 cents suspended like that upside down definitely felt me, made me feel a lot better about my own aging curve. So that was, <laughs> but, but it was nostalgic. It was great. So, so for the same people, well, nostalgia that... was great. Here's the funny yeah. thing about that. Okay, so so our age group uh, saw that and was like, "Oh, I, that's that's the days of yesteryear." Yes, fifteen years older. Who the hell are those people? Yeah, and fifteen years younger. Who the hell are those people? It was such a specific demographic. Yes, it's that's finally what... my time. <laughs> okay, see, <laughs> my whole thing. What I what I like is when the Super Bowl halftime transcends that, mm. that's what i'm asking for transcends generations i want every generation to see them uh, look you know i'm biased and and you know I 2007 was there the it guy. is i mean come on it, it, it but it's by far because first of all he played covers of songs from different generations he played foo yeah. fighters he did proud mary like when prince was doing that uh it wasn't just his hits you know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't just doing his songs um, that transcends generations. Bruce Springsteen 
Paul McCartney transcends generation. Those mm. guys, I, 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 I had no complaint. I, they were fine. It's just literally that reminds me of, and I'm a little too old for that, for that group yeah. mm. because I was a full fledged adult by that point. You know, my wife, who's six years younger than me, she was in heaven. Yeah, like it's just there we go. Such, it's such a specific, like you have to be between 33 and 40 to be that generation. Like that, how old are you? How old are you? I, I'm 35. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one window. And yeah. it's just, it was very limiting. Uh, the lines on social media were funny. 50 Cent, and I I am no bastion of health, but uh, 50 Cent looks like a whole dollar. That was funny. <laughs> there we go. That was funny. Um, but I, it, I, I, I went at... Inflation's getting everyone, Seth. <laughs> oh, that was funny. No, that was funny. That, that, that was funny. Um, Snoop Dogg was high, was high before it. Shocker. Mm. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't smoke on stage, though. That was a prop that we had. <laughs> that was a prop bet that you guys had. Would he smoke? Yeah. A, oh my god! That's... Will he smoke a joint on stage? And uh, would you believe that we had a five-figure position on that? That's that's the Super Bowl, though, right? It's uh, yep. the show within the show. And uh, so, I, and I, I gotta say, like, it was more background. All these Super Bowl halftime shows are because I'm we're we're posting second half lines, we're posting third quarter oh, you're, stuff. You're, you're busy. So right. I, I'm only like kind of casually able to see what's going on, but you know, just like oh, I recognize that song, I recognize these people. So for me, I think it just hit all the nostalgic flavors, and uh, you know, whether it was uh, the performance himself or the audio tuning was uh, just on point. Uh, uh, it was kind of like warm for me. But uh, yeah, uh, 50 Cent Upside Down was still bizarre, though. That didn't work out well for him. He sh However, they did that uh, in rehearsal. Someone on his team should not have agreed to that because that didn't look good. I love the commercials. There were some of the best commercials. You, know, you, you didn't get the same commercials that we did, correct? No, uh, we, we get the Canadian commercials. So yeah, they it was... had a key. Uh, there were two that were really funny. Uh, the one for, um, for uh, Chevrolet. Uh, with the Sopranos opening with uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler, uh, who played Meadow Soprano, uh, driving through like Gandolfini did in the opening credits of the Sopranos. Uh, and she went through this the New morning. York. Oh, the best. Got yourself. <laughs> and, and then she, and she's doing it all in a Chevy Silverado and she pulls up and sees her brother, uh, Anthony Jr. And, you know, they, 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 they it was a perfect commercial. <laughs> it was perfect. There was a Barbie commercial that was really funny about how uh, Barbie is trying to buy the dream house, but she needs to get a rocket mortgage. <laughs> and then oh, she, she had to get a different house and she had she found out that she couldn't afford the dream house. So she goes and gets a lesser house because she doesn't have the, the, the credit approval. And it's Castle Grayskull from He-Man. Oh, and so. And she says there's trouble with the neighbors and it's Skeletor. It was it was oh, hysterical. Boy. It was like some of the ads were literally hysterical. Um, some really, really good ones. Like I said, it was all in all. It was a really nice evening. Um, nice finish. Cincinnati, who barely had any penalties the whole game, gets mm -hmm. every kind of pass interference call you could find uh, in that final drive gave the Rams 17 extra opportunities. So if you're going to give them that many opportunities, you deserve to lose. 
Yeah, that's and you know what? Uh, it's not unique to this Super Bowl how the vast majority of that game was called, uh, which is whistles are being swallowed. Um, and I, I think until midway of the fourth quarter, we hadn't had uh, a penalty in uh, something like 20, 25 minutes of clock game time. Um, and, I, and I get it. The referees don't want to be uh, the stars. Uh, we don't want to see procedural penalties over and over and over again. The easy stuff uh, like encroachments are easy to call, but even that wasn't happening. I do think that one of those uh, pass interference penalties at the end of the game was maybe a makeup because I, I did think two plays prior, there was an opportunity to call what I thought was an obvious defensive hold, but otherwise I, I don't like makeup calls. I really do believe that if you missed it, you shouldn't be looking for the right one, especially in spots that are so impactful. Listen, I, I don't mind a makeup call early in the game or on the very next shift or something in a game that's still tied or, but that's, the Super Bowl was maybe essentially decided by that pass interference call. Uh, otherwise, especially, and the, the offsetting ones as well, the offsetting ones would have had the Rams uh, a further 10 yards back having to try and get 15 yards on two plays against a pretty good Bengals defense. And the Rams have been struggling from in close and they have from all year. Uh, so it's, it's unfortunate that the refs, uh, despite uh, not making their names heard for most of the evening, made themselves known in really the most impactful part of the game. Frustrating. Uh, we can't uh, avoid it. Uh, no robot umps, no robot referees just yet, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it could be on its way after all of this. I mean, there's no secret about uh, the controversy around the, the, the calls. All right. So now what happens at Bavada uh, when there's no football? I, I, you know, I know we've done this show for longer than a year, so I've lived in a, in a post football or pre football world. <laughs> Uh, but what remind me, what is that like? Oh, God. So this is when we uh, do our reports for the year. People uh, take a little vacation, maybe uh, say hello to loved ones that they've been neglecting for a while. You do uh, it right in the middle of week 17. <laughs> I think I think my wife has uh, big plans for what I should be doing. But on the Bavada side of things, yeah, I mean, uh, the sports keep on uh, trucking. Uh, you know, NBA is in full swing. The Olympics is underway. I still haven't seen a single event yet. I haven't seen one thing yet. Yeah, uh, we have, uh, you know, more tennis upon us. We have March Madness coming in uh, just uh, under a month's time. Conference play leading into that. Uh, we just keep on trucking. Uh, it's, uh, well, God, we're going to have the midterms this year, Seth midterms politics back oh it's I, i've got too much on my plate it's a good problem to have but uh yeah we're gonna be busy with all of it what has um you know the nhl not you know not not doing this and all all of all of uh you know th that controversy is over what about the women's tournament that really captivated me last olympics I think the bigger issue with the Olympics is the time that they're happening. It's the middle of the night. We live in an age where tape delay doesn't do anything for me. Uh, the tape delay mm -hmm. is so gross. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, my wife stays up later than me these days. And she said that it's been cool, you know, at midnight, you know, cause early morning they, you know, over there, they show some, some live events, but um, that's been my biggest turnoff. What about the gambling on the women's tournament versus the men's? Because you know all the players in the women's tournament, you don't know on the on the uh, on the men's tournament without the NHL events. 
Right. So I, we, we still have more on the men than the women's, but definitely uh, it's not the, as big of a disparity at Bavada as we've seen uh, in previous Olympics. Uh, you know, we don't have too many reference points because this has now been more than a couple Olympics, but going back to Sochi, was Sochi the last one where uh, the actual pros were able to play? I think. Yes. Um, it was a couple of Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, that was another time zone that wasn't particularly friendly. I remember uh, going into the office like two or three in the morning on those days to try and sort those games out. But uh, the disparity in betting handle Pavada between men and women going back to Sochi when they had professional players who we all knew playing for Canada, US, Russia, where, wherever. Finland, uh, Sweden. It was, it's such a great tournament because there's tournament. no dominant. There's nobody dominant. You know, anybody can win on any given year. And like a World Cup, it's fascinating. Like yeah. you, you don't know who's going to have the best roster that particular year. And uh, it's, it's the, the NHL and the NHL did talk about trying to make a tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Good, good. Make it. I, I I'm in, I I'm, I'm so yeah. in, I want it. I can't wait for it. Yeah. And that that would be a way to, you know, I don't know if they want to revive like the world cup or whatever version of hockey. They, they want to do like a hybrid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that's Good. we, we got to have it. We, we've got to, you know, I mean, it's it was always going to be tricky in that time zone, like you said, Seth. Uh, and I, I don't watch sports after they've already taken place. I don't go back in time and do that. Uh, I like to experience them with people, whether it's in person or online on Twitter or wh- wherever else the case. Uh, and I'm not staying up till two or three or four or five to do this again, and especially not if the actual pros are there. And I, so we are seeing that kind of betting disparity in that. If we were going back to Sochi, the betting on the men's to women's hockey would be something like 10 to 15 to one difference in handle. It's only a three to one difference. Now there's not a lot of hype for this men's hockey. Uh, it's, it's the, yeah, it's the Russian Olympic committee. It's Finland. It's Canada with guys that generally play in Europe all year uh, who most uh, Canadians wouldn't have heard of unless they're former NHLers on their last legs playing in Switzerland. Nice little retirement package if you could get it to go from the NHL to go into play in Central Europe for a couple of years, especially in a place like Davos, perhaps. But uh, yeah, it's overall, it has been kind of a down Olympics for people betting at Apavada. And I don't know if that's a China thing. I don't know if that's a time zone thing. I don't know if uh, it's just difficult to appreciate real life distractions at such an awkward time uh, relative to what else is going on in the world. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of slow. Looking at the women's hockey, uh, wouldn't surprise you. It's obviously it's Canada. It's obviously U.S. And then it's a bunch of teams that are playing for third. Uh, On the men's side, though, I guess one thing we've seen is that uh, this Russian Olympic Committee is they're they're still currently the favorites. However, you know, we know if Canada was sending their best, if the USA was sending their best, uh, they would definitely be more so in the mix than they are now. Canada's uh, latest updated odds, four to one, USA, 10 to one. But you can see just looking at these liabilities that uh, we don't have a lot of people invest in this. We've got to bring these games back home. We've got to be playing them. If not in North America, then playing them in Western Europe, which is still a time zone that's accessible for diehard fans like us. And we got to be seeing top Canadians, top Americans, top Swedes, Finns. I'll even take a Latvian if it helps. But uh, everybody, we, we oh, got, no, we just everybody. It, yeah, it, it, it has to it has to go there. Uh, when you talk about the uh, the NBA, uh, is it the regular season games or is it all the trade rumors? What what was the situation? I know the trade deadline has come and gone. What was the big deal at the NBA? Was it where is everybody going? Kind of like how it works in the offseason? Yeah, very much so. And I, I think what we see uh, with, with NBA and uh, it's, it's no secret, but it continues to just become apparent. And with the trade deadline just passing, 
uh, it's really reinforced is that just how one player can make or break teams. I mean, we, we've seen the most obvious and dramatic example of LeBron James in the past, uh, uh, you know, switching teams. And all of a sudden, the Cleveland Cavaliers will have like 40 wins added to their win total at Bavada. We'll see like futures odds go from 200 to one down to 20 to one. And uh, wh- when that kind of stuff takes place, it's dramatic. And it, it, it's really about just ensuring that, especially when you get to trade deadline day, that uh, our guys are, you know, monitoring not just game lines for games that we have to take down and adjust, but the futures lines and these trade special markets that we put out there. Um, it, ha- it has been interesting to see. Uh, I guess I would say the most impactful one would be uh, Harden reuniting in Philadelphia right now. That saw their odds uh, become a little bit more likely at Bavada. Uh, based on that move, he reunites with Daryl Morey. He reunites with a team that knows how to better utilize him. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's, this always feels like when we start paying attention finally to the NBA. And uh, this is where, uh, you know, players have maybe been sneaking under the radar betting with us all season because we just can't give that focus to, you know, maybe they've had a good run, but this is where lines start to be a little bit tighter. What I would warn now, uh, not just for players, but definitely for us as bookmakers, maybe other bookmakers who may be listening. uh, It's tank season. Now you have to watch out for the players that are all now healthy scratches listed last minute. And it's not just tank season. It's, it's load management as well. Right. We, We see that as well, where listen, the regular season only means as much as it does. If you care about seating, if you care about home field or home court advantage, I should say, but it's really about making sure that your stars are getting to the playoffs in one piece. And that's a real difficult thing to watch with NBA. You know, the Spurs, kind of kicked it off a few years ago much to uh david stern's uh you know anger when he would rest players on back-to-backs especially if they're nationally televised but those are big things for the odds and uh you know for us at Bavada, that's that's something that we just constantly have to uh be on top of and the trade deadline was no different for us uh we haven't done a lot of hockey but um i do want to give a shout out we haven't been on the air the all-star skills competition was really entertaining <laughs> I thought it was great. I watched it with my kid and we had fun and it was cool to see Jack Hughes part of it wearing his uh, devil's uniform. And that was, that was neat. I am a huge proponent in all uh, sports for all-star games. I know basketball, it's hard to do. You should have a representative for every team because there's some 13 year old kid that wants to see his or her guy. I used to think that when I covered baseball, when, when in baseball, the all-star game, people say, well, how do you have a guy on the lowly Pittsburgh pirates on the all-star team? I love that because mm-hmm. there's some kid in Pittsburgh that wants to see their guy wearing their uniform. That's who that's for. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, it, it's for the fans. It's not for the integrity of who should be going to all-star games and stuff like that. They are, meaningless and hopefully fun exhibitions. I thought mini Jack Hughes looked uh, pretty cool out there. That was awesome. awesome. Uh, I do think uh, before we go Seth, I I think you should share with the audience with uh, just because you referenced your daughter, that delightful nickname she came up with, with my, for my favorite hockey team. Oh, that, that was a funny thing. If we had done the podcast last week, it would have been the lead. Yeah. Um, We were watching. So because of all the COVID uh, rescheduling, the uh, Devils and Maple Leafs, so my favorite team against your favorite team, mm-hmm. played a home and home. I watched every minute of both games. You watched maybe a minute of one period. Oh. I just want to say I'm a better fan. <laughs> 
All but right. my other kid was in the room just because she wanted to hang out with us. So my 13 year old, she's the, the fan, the hockey fan. She's learning all the players, all the teams. She knows how good Carolina is. Like she's really figuring it out. My 10 year old doesn't know anything other than the colors that they, they wear, like the mm-hmm. uniform. She's just, that's not her thing. She has other, other interests, but we were talking about the Maple Leafs. And I even referenced you saying, Oh, this friend of mine that I work with, He's a huge Maple Leafs fan. We have to beat them so I can get bragging rights, blah, 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 blah. And my 10-year-old misheard, and she says, what kind of a name is the Toronto Make Believes? Oh. <laughs> you know what? I, oh I'm, a, I, I'm a long-suffering Maple Leaf, not Make Believe, <laughs> Maple Leaf fan, and uh, that was a new one. I, like, and and I, I'm in a city like Montreal, right? So I'm getting it all the time. And boy, that's just, you know, that just goes to show you folks, there are, there's never enough ways that you think, you know, that you can be cut down and uh, a little girl aspiring, you know, big fan of the game calls your team, the make-believes. And you know what? Hey, listen, we're we're rolling this year, but we haven't won since 1967. So until we do, we are the make-believes. You are the make-believes, the make-believes indeed. All right. That'll do it for the Bavada at odds podcast. Again, thanks to Chris for sitting in last week. Uh, We will have another episode each and every week, and we appreciate it. Patrick, have yourself a great week. Take care, everyone.